You're listening to the LaxRecords.com podcast, episode 12. Today we're talking about Florida high school lacrosse, so let's get started. Hey everybody, Mike here. Welcome to the LaxRecords.com podcast. If this is your first time listening, as always, thanks for coming. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. As usual, the housekeeping stuff, be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lax Records and at Facebook.com slash Lax Records. As usual, all links are in the show notes. Today, I'm talking with Lee Roggenberg, senior writer for FloridaLacrosseNews.com. Starting last week, I was looking at high school boys lacrosse previews, and I'm continuing our season previews today with a look at Florida, the players and teams that are going to make for another memorable season. Last year, obviously, St. Thomas Aquinas kind of took over the lead in Florida, uh, at least for one season after St. Andrews and Lake Highland Prep had pretty much dominated the scene. So Lee and I uh, kind of talk about whether or not that's going to continue. And Lee actually makes his pick for the team to win it all in 2017, in addition to giving his picks for the FHSAA Final Four. Plus, we look at many of the players that Lee expects to have good seasons. And just to kind of finalize, you can follow Lee on Twitter at FloridaLX. FloridaLacrosseNews.com does a great job of covering the state. I'm going to have links to all their social media accounts and their website in the show notes at LexRecords.com slash podcast. Now on to the show. Lee, I appreciate you you taking some time to talk some Florida lacrosse with me today. Uh, welcome to the podcast. And I'm really excited because this is where I think uh, we're about a little bit a little bit more than two weeks away from the start of the season, so you know, obviously less than that before the start of uh, practice. So it's uh, getting down to the wire, and I'm excited. So hope you're excited too. Oh, a- absolutely, Mike, and, and I appreciate the invitation. And uh, let's get it on. Yeah. Um, so let let's start with kind of a, a not a look back at 2016, but you know, obviously St. Thomas Aquinas won the FHSAA championship last year, first one in program history. So you know, let's let's look at them first. How are they looking for 2017? Well, they did lose uh, some decent amount of talent, but uh, there are some transfers that have come in this year. Certainly one of the favorites to win it all. Uh, The biggest problem that St. Thomas and everyone else has in their particular quadrant in the state is that the the quadrant is stacked between Mm -hmm. St. Thomas, St. Andrews, Oxbridge, uh, and many other schools. It's always the toughest one to come out of, as far as the quarterfinals are concerned, getting into uh, the the final four at the state level. Uh, Kevin Crowley, uh, Coach Terry Crowley's son, commit to Hofstra, senior, returning All-American, is back. Uh, One thing that I'm kind of uh, paying attention to is the return of Noah Cash, who missed all of last year with a knee injury and was being talked to by ACC schools as a freshman, so we're going to see if he comes back. Roy Guglielmo is back too, uh, but you know they did uh, lose some pretty key pieces. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Okay, yeah, and it's <clears throat> I know uh, Coach Crowley. I think he's just nine wins away from winning his 400th career game too. So that's a pretty big deal. I believe it's 400. I hope I got that right. Might be three or 400. I know he's close to a new century mark. So that's obviously something else to keep in mind. Is the season goes on, he probably get that relatively early in the year since uh, Florida is usually halfway through the year by the time the hophead state of Maryland starts. So definitely another thing to keep an eye on. Um, looking at the, the runner-up for last year, Ponte Vedra, they had a, a phenomenal season under head coach Tom West, who 
is also approaching his own win mark. I think he's approaching 200 career wins. Um, how are they looking for, for this year? Actually, think- he'll be 300 with his next 300, win. okay. Uh, yeah, they, I think they are the, uh, the slight favorite to win it all this year. They're returning Andrew Dare, Reed Smith, Clay Welch. These are all Division I uh, commitments. Uh, they had a marvelous offense last year. I believe they had four players who put up 50 goals last year each. Uh, the little caveat will be they did graduate all three starting long sticks at the back end. Goalie does come back. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting team to watch. They play a very high speed, a lot of two-man game. And, uh, you know, they went undefeated. They did not have a close game until the final. And I think... Yeah. One thing that makes uh, that might really help them this year was the experience of losing the final last year. Yeah, I mean, Coach West has put together a heck of a program down there. I mean, Pontevedra, they're, they're consistent year in, year out, 17, 18, 19 wins. You know, you can almost count on them to make the final four in a number of years. Like, they are very – they're always in the hunt. You can't – you can never count them out. Um, you know, I, don't, I want to look at some of the other teams that weren't in the championship too because obviously, you know, Lake Highland – St. Andrews, those are the two, you know, for years were, you know, if you picked one of them to win the title, you had a 50-50 shot because it seemed like if it wasn't one, it was the other. So how are those two teams kind of shaping up for this season? Lake Highland is a bit of a mystery at this point. Uh, Three straight state championships, and they fell down some last year. They did get to the final four. Uh, To be fair, though, it is easily the weakest quadrant in the state right now, and it was not uh, particularly difficult uh, for them to get back to the Final Four. They did lose some key players, uh, most notably Jackson Carling, Austin Farwell, a couple of others. Uh, there's, they're really counting on a lot of younger players to step up. Christian Cisneros, Lucas Cott, Ethan Carpenter. Uh, you know, these are players that are going to have to sort of get them back going. They had nine losses last year. And unlike in previous years, some of those losses were not competitive. And so there, there seemed to be something off last year, they, whether it was just the hunger was gone because of the three straight championships beforehand. Not really sure how to put my finger on it, but it was just a very down year for them last year. So will they get back to the Final Four? In all likelihood, yes, but Pontefiatra handled them comfortably both times last year. And I don't really see any reason to think that that will be different this year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah. St. Andrews, on the <laughs> other hand, uh, was a very interesting story because, as you mentioned, for many years, the, the big dog of Florida lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Seaman came in a couple of years ago. Uh, last year, they I think that they peaked a little early last year. They started out the year uh, pretty much defeating everyone mm-hmm. and not really having that much of a headache with uh, a lot of the schools, even went over to IMG and beat them over there. Uh, But the thing is, is that towards the end of the year, they got a little thin on defense, a couple of injuries, goaltending fell just a little bit towards the end, and they were kind of ripe for picking at the end of the year. And, of course, in the first round of the playoffs, Oxbridge, which had a marvelous year, uh, came out and uh, took them down. And you know, basically, uh, it was a very disappointing end to a team that I had voted number one in the Inside Lacrosse Southeast poll basically all year. 
uh, until we got to that particular point of the season. So uh, Nick Naga returns, a uh, number of other players, uh, Oliver Alpert, uh, et cetera, and uh, yeah, they will be very strong again going into the season. I think they were a little bit more of a system team last year. Maybe that will change a little bit this year. Uh, but again, it's going to kind of come down to uh, can they also afford the loss of uh, Gable Braun, who was an unusual story last year, a ninth grade, I'm sorry, an eighth grader FOGO specialist who dominated most of the faceoff uh, uh, percentages down here. He has transferred to the McDonough School. Mm. So, you know, he was a real game changer for them last year. I want to see how his loss sort of affects them. I don't think they'll be quite as good last year, but uh, I would not sleep on them either. Yeah, um, and you mentioned one of the other teams I want to quickly talk about, Oxbridge Academy. For me, they were kind of the, almost the, the dark horse last year. Like, they're a newer program. They've only been around for a couple of years, but, you know, they had a really great season last season. Like, are they going to continue that upward shot, or, you know, if they peaked, like, how do you kind of see them? I think that they're going to pretty, be pretty similar to last year. It's an interesting program. Uh, Stan Ross uh, has built it from scratch. This is now the fourth year of the program, and a lot of the kids who came in to start the program, some of them have moved on, and, uh, but there's still an awful lot left in the tank. Uh, the Christian Tomei and Iowa State commit and goal is uh, marvelous and had a terrific uh, game against St. Andrews in that upset win. He's got Brandon Hayek, uh, long poles, going to be going to North Carolina the following season. Got a number of other players, uh, Connor Davies, uh, Fairfield commit as a freshman last year who really made a big difference. It wasn't that the team was sort of coming out of nowhere. We had known from the previous season that they were really starting to get there, but they hadn't quite turned the corner as far as the mental part of the game and learning how to win the close ones and taking out a team ahead of them uh, in order to sort of gain that confidence. And then as the season went on last year, in particular, a big win over Jupiter, and from there they just really took off the rest of the season and took St. Thomas to overtime in the second round of the playoffs on St. Thomas's field. So they were one goal away from maybe making the run to the championship themselves. Yeah. Again, issue in the same place, same quadrant, hard to get out of, but certainly a solid program right now. Okay. Yeah, I think there'll be uh, – it'll be, like you mentioned, that, that quadrant with the obviously the St. Thomas Aquinas and Oxford. It's, it's an interesting matchup because, like you said, that, that would have probably been an interesting final um, or at least final four matchup, but they play so early just based on location that – you know that could be. You don't generally get those really fantastic matchups that early in the playoffs in some areas. So it's kind of you know be interesting to see how those where they end up meeting um, at that point in the year. Um, are there any other teams that you kind of see like maybe a darkest? You mentioned Jupiter. Jupiter is another very solid program. Um, I know Lake Brantley's uh, you know usually a pretty solid program. Is there any programs that you kind of see that maybe people aren't looking at because of all the other usual suspects for the year? In the same quadrant, a lot of people are talking about Stoneman Douglas out in okay. Coral Springs. A couple of years ago, had a, a terrific season. A.J. Ferraro, University of Tampa, for instance, uh, came out of there. Uh, a team that has a lot of players coming back. Uh, again, a similar thing where Coach Ryan Burton has built a program to a point where now he's starting to reload instead of rebuild. 
uh, I would certainly look out for them. They've built their schedule up quite a bit this year, too. Uh, up north, uh, Bowles, Matanzas, Nice, Oak Hall, these are all solid teams uh, that are pretty much in the uh, Ponte Vedra quadrant. Uh, a little bit further west, we've got Gulf Coast uh, out in the southwest, who I'm hearing good things about. Maybe a goalie shy of being a really good uh, team this year. Uh, St. Edwards, uh, a little bit north of Jupiter. Some Vero Beach transfers came in there. They've beefed up the schedule. They're looking pretty good. Uh, and, you know, one thing that I don't, I don't really, I've not seen them play, but something to keep an eye on is Montverde Academy in the uh, Orlando area. They seem to be making a big push in the sport. Uh, again, it's, it's a little early to maybe be mentioning them. Uh, but we'll have to kind of keep an eye on them. And Balin Jesuit uh, down in Miami, I uh, want to definitely keep an eye on them. They had a, a great season, finished in my top 20 last year. Uh, and then overall, you know, the Tampa area is a little tough. The Tampa area, HB Plan had a great year last year, Newsom the year before, but they're not allowed to tra- travel outside of the Tampa area during the regular season for road games. Hmm. It's a kind of a strange setup that they have in Hillsborough County, and it kind of keeps them from really kind of taking that next step. Mm-hmm. One, last team, one last team to really look at in the Orlando area is West Orange. Okay. A number of transfers from Dr. Phillips, including Mikey Berkman, who uh, the listeners might remember as a freshman committed to Syracuse. And uh, so he's now over at West Orange, and uh, that could also be a team to keep an eye on. Okay. Yeah, I think you mentioned uh, Mount Verde Academy. I, just, I got a buddy who actually covers high school soccer, and they are a national power um, on the soccer side. So it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see because if they put their, their weight behind lacrosse, like they could be a program that may be worth watching in years to come just because of what they've been able to build on the soccer side. Um, they're, they're dedicated, and they have pretty you – know, I've seen my buddy showing me pictures when he's gone down there and watched them. They have phenomenal facilities, and uh, they, when they put their mind to something, they, they want to do it well. So that'll be a team to maybe keep an eye out for in the next, next coming years. Maybe not this year, but maybe in the next few years. <clears throat> And let me just touch briefly on IMG because uh, uh, right. I tend to sort of segregate them on the side. And, and we're going to talk to, about are we going to talk about the the national program or the I guess more I'll, I'll touch, you know obviously the prep program is right. That's huge, the one most uh, people know. Yeah. Yeah, and you're talking about an awful lot of uh, Division One recruits that uh, are coming out of that program. Uh, I unfortunately don't have the names in front of me, so instead of trying to mispronounce them all, I'll just say <laughs> that I, I, there's probably in the neighborhood of eight and D1 recruits uh, that, at least on that team right now, going to the top schools. And, you know, that that's a team that plays the, the national prep program, the Hill Academies and some mm-hmm. of the big prep schools up northeast. The high school team is uh, a little bit different. Uh, they do play... FHSAA uh, teams, uh, their one loss last year was to St. Andrews at home. Uh, the rest of the teams that they played, they did. Uh, it's not an easy program for me to sort of comment about only because it's such a dedicated thing towards the sport that it's really an apples and oranges with uh, the rest of the schools that I covered down here. And I just sort of say, you know, hats off to them. Uh, you know, Going there, you're obviously going to be prepared. The academics are there too, uh, but when it comes to sort of 
you know, comparing them to Florida high school programs, it's just it's apples and oranges, and I just don't try to. Yeah, and they play more of a national schedule. I know um, one kid that I'll be curious to see how he plays out was uh, Chase Scanlon. He transferred to IMG Academy, and he um, briefly held the national record for most goals in a game last year because he scored 14 when he was playing for Gowanda Central up in New York. Um, a kid from Michigan, we found out later in the year, had scored something, I think it was 19 goals uh, in a game. So he held the record only because we didn't know about the Michigan one until the end of the season. Um, but he transferred down to IMG. And from when I talked to one of his assistant coaches, like he's a talented kid. Uh, so, But it'll be interesting because IMG's loaded with talent. So... Um, so that kind of brings me to my next thing, you know, where players to watch, you mentioned some of the big name players, like, are there anybody, is there anybody that you didn't mention that maybe, uh, people will know that it'd be like, all right, you know, this is definitely one of the the kids to watch in the state and see what he might be able to do this season. Well, besides, you know, the, the ones I mentioned so far, we have a couple of more returning all Americans in Nick Platt, a long pole out of Lake Mary and uh, Luke Curran, a midi out of Gulf coast. Uh, those are both returning All-Americans, and you would assume that, uh, obviously, there are, uh, they're going to sort of pick up where they left off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex and Thad Spiker, brothers out of Oak Hall in Gainesville area, who are commits to Villanova, both of them. Uh, Mikey Berkman we touched on. Uh, my, Christian Kropp out of Benjamin going to Yale. Michael Dean out of Jupiter, who's committed to Jacksonville. Uh, and then, uh, and then, of course, a name that uh, the golf world very well knows, Nicholas. Uh, Will Nicholas uh, is coming back after uh, you know, missing a good chunk of uh, last season, uh, the granddaughter, grandson of uh, Jack and Barbara, and uh, he is a committee uh, UNC. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of players uh, out there. There's a couple of them that are not big names that I think uh, – People should uh, keep an eye on uh, Max Shallot, a defender out of Matanzas, who's a Notre Dame commit. Uh, Joey Bretz, defenseman from Jupiter's, who is a commit to Hartford, and I think is very underrated. Uh, and Daniel Walsh, a uh, long stick midi of St. Edwards, who's a Mercer commit, and I really like uh, his game too. Okay. Yeah, it's one thing uh, over the years I've seen Florida definitely grow in the amount of talent that is coming out of the state. I think probably not the amount of talent. I think the talent Florida is known for having talent in a lot of sports. I think it's just the, they, that talent's gotten noticed a lot more over the last like five, six years since I've been covering the sport. You see a lot more kids going to a lot more programs um, than I think ever before. So it's going to be. But just just at last year's senior class, uh, we have. Jared Bernhardt comes out of Lake Brantley, mm-hmm. not only makes the U.S. under-19 national team, but is the MVP of the world champions. That's a significant achievement for this. Yeah. Then you look at Viper Shield, who's got a great shot at starting for Bryant as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louis Yovino is going to turn heads at Furman. He is going to be a star from day one on that team. He's going to end up being nationally known. Uh, Dave Diamond, uh, the St. Andrews star, is at Albany. Uh, spoke to some of the Albany coaches. They're looking to get him into some of the packages right away. There's uh, Anthony Corselli out of Cypress Bay is up at uh, Marquette. He'll probably be, I think he's redshirted this year, but I would expect that in years to come, I'm going to hear about him. There's a lot of kids out there. Uh, 
even and, and let's not forget Sergio Salcedo. <laughs> Here is a kid who came out of Winter Park four years ago and was not recruited, really, basically was not heavily recruited at all. Goes up to Syracuse, walks on the team, and this year is a preseason first-team All-American MIDI at the D1 level. If that doesn't say something about Florida, what does? Yeah, and also kind of goes to show you that being recruited, you know, obviously the recruiting in lacrosse has taken such a um, national spotlight over the past few years. It goes to show you that not always is it being recruited early as the end game. You can get a kid that, you know, wasn't recruited even as a senior, and you can still go on to do some things. So so it's it's worth noting for the young guys out there. Like, you're, you're not done if you're not committed to a college as a freshman or sophomore. You don't even have to be recruited. If you really like a school, go to the school because you want to go to the school. Mm-hmm. The lacrosse is secondary. But if you are good enough, you can try as a walk-on. All the colleges allow walk-ons. Mm-hmm. And if you're good enough, you'll make the team. We had, A couple of years ago, we had, uh, in our area down here, we had a kid from Boca Raton who, was, who went to Duke, he was, I believe, the uh, valedictorian or second in the graduating class. So we went there academically, and he made the team as a walk-on. Mm-hmm. We had a St. Andrews kid who went to Johns Hopkins, made the team as a walk-on. It is not impossible to follow your dream as long as you keep in mind it's still going to college. Right. You're going to college first. The lacrosse is second. Always never forget that in the recruiting process. Yeah, I actually had a conversation with a guy who runs scholarship stats. He was one of our earlier podcasts, and we talked about almost the exact same thing. It's like, you know, lacrosse is not a full scholarship sport. It's going to be a partial scholarship, so you're not going to get – you're not looking at that much money. You're not getting your college education paid for by a full scholarship in lacrosse. Like, you just have to be – you'd probably have to be one of the greatest players of all time at this day and age to be able to get a full scholarship. So you're much better off, like you said, go to the college that you want to go to, get in – you know, be good academically, and then walk on. And you can still succeed, and then you can have, you know, you can have just as great a career um, as a kid who's been recruited because, you know, I'm sure I've seen it, and I'm sure you've seen it. Kids get recruited early, and then they don't pan out in college, but they made those decisions, or they get to college and realize it's not the place for them because the decision was made so early. So, yeah, there's definitely other ways um, to get where you want to go in life and if lacrosse happens to be part of that, there's a way to, to use that sport to get what you need. So I think that's you know, definitely... It, yeah, I mean, the kids, the kids of today have to understand the advantages they have when they're looking at colleges. Now, I'm 58 years old. Uh, in my day, we went to the library and got a book on uh, <laughs> colleges, and we thumbed through it. And you had to use the Dewey Decimal System. I'm sure there's there's probably not many kids that know even what I just said about those words because that does not exist. Exactly. They have all the stuff online. They can see videos. They can Skype with people. They can talk to people on the campus. Uh, Just go out there and forget about the fact that you're being recruited for lacrosse first. That's not the way life works. Right. Exactly. Um. So we're we're gonna kind of I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, it's a horrible segue, but you know, as as a reporter, I'm sure everybody likes to tell you when you're wrong. I've had that over my entire career. So we're gonna give people an opportunity to tell you you're wrong at the end of the year. Who do you think will be the team to win it all? Like who's your well, who's your no, pick? First of all, I have to say that uh, 
I don't have a shortage of people down here who like <laughs> to do that. So we're just going to sort of pile. It's, it's sort of like just adding the extra 10 floors on the 100-story uh, <laughs> building. Uh, and uh, I, I would have to say that my favorite is for Pontefedra to win the championship. Uh, they'll probably have to go through Lake Highland in the semifinals. On the south side of the bracket, it's a little tougher. Uh, I'm sort of just quickly looking here just to make sure. Benjamin and Jupiter are in the same district. So only one of them makes the mm-hmm. FHSA playoffs. And right now, the way that the brackets are set up, in all likelihood, the winner of that district is going to be in the semis. Uh, Benjamin uh, won it last year by a couple of goals. They do lose quite a bit. Jupiter, uh, I think, maybe gained a little bit. And I think maybe Jupiter will take that uh, other slot and then the South, oh boy, you know, St. Thomas, St. Andrews, Oxbridge, Stoneman, Gulliver, uh, so, <laughs> so many possibilities. Um, I think what I will do is I will go with, uh, I'm going to go with St. Thomas to pull it out again, but again, a very tough path to get there. And then we're back to basically a, some, you know, the same Final Four, with the exception of Jupiter instead of Benjamin that we had uh, last season. Uh, this time, uh, a Jupiter-St. Thomas uh, semifinal. I think uh, I might have to go with Jupiter in that one, and then Pontevedra. And I'm kind of doing this a little bit because two years ago, I was sort of hoping we were going to see an all-public school final for the first time in the modern <laughs> era. And... You know, I might I might be really out on the limb. I'm sure Coach Loftus will probably text me after hearing this, and <laughs> I'm nuts. But uh, let's let's go with Jupiter and Pontevedra. Pontevedra winning the championship, so Tom West gets his ring, just like Terry got it last year. Uh, I'm not going to give you a score on that one. Though, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's that's getting far. down to the real nitty gritty. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, one little thing that happened that, you know, I don't know if it's going to affect the season at all and could hurt Benjamin a little bit. The storms that went through South Florida and the, and the rest of the state uh, on, I guess, Sunday night mm-hmm. uh, did a lot of damage to the Benjamin home field. The stands were uh, basically destroyed, the scoreboard, a light stanchion. Uh, some of the field has been uh, dug up. We're not really sure at this point what the status is going to be for Benjamin's home games. So that might put a little bit of a wrench into them uh, as part of this, and that's maybe one of the reasons I'm thinking that maybe Jupiter takes them down this year. Okay. Yeah, that would be interesting to keep it. It would be a shame for to start your season and have that kind of thing hang over your head. But sometimes those kind of things unite a team too, you know, that that common struggle that we're, you know, you don't get to play home games. I've seen, I think, Gonzaga out of D.C., they – they were remodeling their field. It wasn't because of storms or anything like that, but they were remodeling, and they played every one of their games basically away from home that year, and they still won their conference championship. So, uh, but it was one of those things. The coaches, it takes an extra level of focus. You got to get the kids focused because it gets to be that grind. Because if you're traveling for every game of the year, you know you never get that moment where you can just get out of class and you're at the field kind of thing. So you know you never know how those things impact high school kids. Sometimes they rally, so that'll. Hopefully they can get it figured out, but you know it'll be interesting to see how that impacts impacts the season. Definitely. Yes, and 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 one thing in particular is Benjamin tends to get very good crowds to their home games. 
Mm. And it's a, the field that was, the stands were right on top of the field, and there was a pretty nice home field advantage there. So if they lose that, uh, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out down the line. Yeah, and anybody who's curious, you guys posted a story on floridalacrossenews.com. I, I had a link to it on my on the Twitter page, so you know, definitely check out that. I'll put a link in the, the show notes to that story. That way people can kind of check it out and see and see what you're talking about as well. So yeah. that, well, that'll be interesting. We're looking to a great year. Yeah. Without question. Just looking forward to a great year. Yeah. So um, kind of wrapping up, one thing I'm kind of curious about, and I, I didn't put it in my show notes, so if you're, you're not prepared, feel free to uh, tell me, well, you'll get back to me later. But I'm curious, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas won it all last year. You got, um, you're, you're picking Ponte to win it this year. <clears throat> Have you seen a shift in maybe not the power of where Florida lacrosse is, but have you seen a shift? Because like we said at the start, it's usually with St. Andrews, Lake Highland Prep, you could pretty much knock it. And for years it was just St. Andrews. So when I remember when Lake Highland won, that was a pretty that was a huge deal. So now you got St. Thomas Aquinas. If Pontevedra can pull it out this year, I mean, it would be two straight years where you've had different titles. Like, is there kind of a shift? Because I know Florida added a lot of programs in the last few years too. Like, is there a shift in where the, the powers that be are coming from? Can we expect different kinds of teams here in your I think I think what you're seeing is the top teams, the top programs have sort of leveled off of each other. And the depth at that second tier has certainly uh, started to expand. Uh, The northeast part of the state has gotten much more serious with resources. And the type of coaches, a lot of this comes down to getting a coach who's going to come into the area and make a commitment to build their own feeder program. That's what it really seems to come down to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at the successful programs, and all of them have some way of being able to, uh, as we said before, reload instead of rebuild. And so th- that's going to take uh, four or five years at least of uh, really being able to do it uh, and to put in the time and effort needed to do that. Uh, you know, And then there's another thing. There's another really interesting thing that uh, – has been happening down here. We've had some really big name coaches who are no longer head coaches who have come into the area and are helping out with high school programs, sort of mm-hmm. as uh, additions. You know, two of the names from people from up north would recognize Joe Cuzo, the longtime Hall of Fame Ward <laughs> Melville high school head coach on Long Island, incredibly successful, has been helping out at Jensen Beach for some years now. Mm. And uh, Oxbridge, uh, on Stan's uh, program, Richard Spackman, the uh, longtime Nassau Community College uh, head coach. Uh, the guy's got a bit of a record, you know, 20 national championships in 39 <laughs> years at the uh, junior college level. And he has been helping out the Oxbridge program for a couple of years now. And you're just starting to see that in places where a successful northern coach, New York, upstate, Long Island, Maryland, some of the other areas have kind of moved down here and have put down roots in certain areas, and that's where you're starting to see those feeder programs, and that's where you're going to see the depth. And I can't tell you what this is going to be like five years from now. Right. Five years from now, we might be having a discussion about 20 teams competing. Right. Which would be great for the state because that keeps it interesting. And um, uh, one thing I, I actually can't—I feel bad for forgetting—but you mentioned big name coaches. 
I, I'm curious, like, how familiar are you with, um, or how does you think American Heritage with Jeff Goldberg at the helm is going to do this year? Like, are they uh, are they a program you I, think is heading anywhere? Or because obviously, for anybody who doesn't know, because uh, Goldberg was out, you know, he wasn't really a head coach of the state, but I mean, he's the guy that basically built that St. Andrews program, and I think they won seven the first seven Florida State mm-hmm. titles, and then a number before it was sanctioned. Um, you know, he's got 417 career wins. I mean, he was he's the all-time winningest coach in Florida history, and he took over American Heritage in 2014. Yeah, it's again, it's, it's sort of he's he's in the same district as St. Andrews and uh, St. John Paul, Boca Raton, West Boca uh, has had some good teams lately. Spanish River. It's a very difficult district, and in some years, it's been the toughest district in the state. Mm-hmm. And Jeff has you know, been there a couple of years. He's, he's certainly produced some nice players, uh, but he's not at the point yet where uh, that program is going to uh, basically be able to get out of the district. And I just don't know uh, how much uh, if it, it, it's going to just take so long for him to get the feeder programs going into there too. And uh, it's just, he's got one other very interesting issue over there in that the girls program has gotten very good very quickly. And so he's he's also sort of uh, sharing some resources there through the school. And so I I don't know how far he can really take it. Uh, And just sort of, we'll just have to see. I'll, I'll have a better idea by the end of this season how far he's come versus uh, St. Andrews in that particular district. Yeah, I think when you start to get years three, four, and five, you kind of start to really see um, the coach's vision for a program maybe start to kind of come to fruition a little bit. You know, those first couple years, you got to get your feet under you a little bit. I mean, it'd be nice to win right out the bat. I mean, they I think, if I remember correctly, they had a winning record. It's just like you said, they play in a tough district. And, you know, it takes some time to build that program. And, um you know, I, I talked with uh, the coach at Paul the Sixth a few uh, you know a few months ago on one of the podcasts, and he talks. It's just sometimes you got to change the culture, and building that culture, it's just it takes time. So it'll be interesting. That, but I think he's definitely you know obviously with his um, resume in Florida lacrosse, you know, and you know it's he's definitely I think he's one at least to keep an eye on the program to see how they do in, in that district. Um, so he did have some good wins last year. And he did play a couple of good teams, uh, kind of tough. Um, but, again, it's he didn't make the district playoffs last year, and that should say something about the district. Yeah. All right. Well, Lee, I really appreciate you, you taking the time. Um, where, where can people find you on, on social? I know you guys are you, – you write at floridalacrossenews.com. Um, you guys can find them on uh, Florida Lacrosse News on Twitter. Do you have your own Twitter? Do you tweet during, during games, or do you just use the Florida Lacrosse News handle? Uh, I use the Florida Lacrosse News. Uh, I've found that trying to cover a game and tweeting at the same time is an impossible task <laughs> for my. And also, I'm not very good with uh, tiny keyboards. Right. Uh, but it's, it's Florida Capital Capital X uh, on Twitter for FloridaLacrosseNews.com. We have a Facebook page. Every article that we write does get tweeted out and does get uh, posted to the Facebook. We have almost 4,000 Twitter followers now. And on an average day, we probably have about 40 states around the country that check in with the site. So uh, I appreciate you letting me uh, sort of uh, put that out there. And, you know, that's how people can follow us. 
Yeah, and I'll definitely put links to everything um, in in the show notes. And you know, I've followed you guys, you and Brian, for for years, and you guys have always done a great job covering the states. So it's going to be, you know, I'll definitely they're definitely worth checking out. I mean, you guys are my, usually my first check every morning um, when I'm just kind of looking at scores and looking for players to put in the the, the daily roundup and stuff like that. So you guys do a great job. Everybody should check them out. Thank you very much, Mike. Sorry. All right, Lee. You have a good evening, man. You have a good one, and um, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, take care and thanks a lot. You're welcome. Bye.